1: Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett. As ever, talking all things Manchester United this week. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube. Head over to our channel, like, subscribe and leave a comment for us. And Rob, how are you doing? I just realised I started doing the plugs before saying hello to you
2: properly. That's fine. Do the plugs, and you can speak to me afterwards. I'm good, Scott. How are you? It's lovely and sunny here today. So it's threats of rain. Ryan threats had th- rain. had thunderstorms already, and the sun is out. So I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that the sun remains shining. Like typical British people, we've been talking about the weather.
1: <laughs> so uh, we will endeavor not to talk about too much more weather. Uh, we'll talk about Man United throughout today's show. A lot of transfer business, or lack thereof to talk about, although Mason Mount will uh, join United officially by the, maybe even by the time you've listened to this and we don't know when it's going to be officially announced, but his medical was done on Monday. Yeah. It's looking like he's just going to be introduced pretty soon, but follow us on Twitter as well at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and that promise I'm I think we should actually have a chat about Twitter, Rob, because sometimes now you can't use it so i'll say this as well if twitter is broke for you instagram scott saunders 89 and tiktok scott saunders 89 because i'm gonna have to make stuff with video and face
2: instead of just tweeting words uh rob not for you yet though yeah well look look, twitter is broken for all of us i think twitter has been broken for a very long time in many ways so uh it, it, it's not what it was anymore is it like wh- when we used to use it for work going back at the time it was a really handy tool but obviously there's a lot of changes afoot i just think that the exodus is beginning you know we'll just be using other things in the future and different kinds of content um i know you've got your own tiktok channel scott i, I just you know? realized that i don't even
1: use tiktok enough to know what my user handle is <laughs> Scott Saunders, the same as
2: twitter instagram t- is scott Saunders 89 you're down with the kids, of course. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's one of those things. I think Twitter, if you guys here, if you're in the comments, you watch our show, no doubt a lot of you would have discovered this show via Twitter or via socials. Tell us. Tell us where you're going next because we will go there too. And I think that's just the way the market will be is that there'll be some other non-Twitter. Entity. Be like, real. Be yeah. real is one. Be, yeah, yeah. Never There's, used it. Blue sky blue sky is run by the former Twitter CEO so that's going jack. to be yes i think it's jack, jack. and his mates so, exactly. and, and when you look at the interface of it it literally looks like twitter from 3 years ago it's very weird um I'm but not... uh, but you need invites for that at the moment cuz it's in the beta stage beta stage i should say um but yeah i'm going to be doing a substack soon so i hope all you guys subscribe to that i'll be writing uh, through that way and you can read my work that uh uh, through Substack and other places. But yeah, Twitter, I think it w- it's a wait and see, isn't it? It doesn't look good for Twitter as it stands. Well, yeah, we'll see. Um, it's
1: been difficult because I've rate limits exceeded myself several times over the last few days. And uh, in a transfer window, that's not optimal, really. Um, you know, although you could say,
2: get off your phone.
1: So, you know,
2: I, I... go and live a little. I was thinking the other day, maybe Elon Musk is doing us all a massive favour because we're all on our phones a little bit too much, aren't we? So, uh, but it just means we will use something else, isn't it? I think that's what it will be. And you said about transfers and stuff. There's no doubt that Twitter's become a big part of that ecosystem now of people finding out what's happening with their football clubs.
1: Yeah. Uh, TikTok at underscore Scott Saunders. I'll probably be have, having to use that into the new season because I'm probably going to be doing a lot more podcasting and video anyway. Also, my poor personal friends and people that I've known from school, etc. will have to digest (laughs) maybe football content on Instagram as well that I've known for the last 10-15 years. Sorry. Uh, But yes, uh, Instagram, Scott Saunders 89 Anyway, also, if you want to speak to us in real person, you know, not just on Twitter or Instagram or something join us in las vegas from july 28th at united con uh united on their preseason tour they'll play brucey dortmund in las vegas visit united-con.com to book your place now if you'd like to join us not just us there there's plenty of like former players former united players there brian mcclair i think Mm -hmm. they'll see david may like you know a a bunch of a bunch of different people uh i've seen andy mitten on the list as well so Mm uh united-con.com to book your place now today we'll be talking man united transfer targets rasmus hoyland andre Onana, Sofyan amrabat and what all this kind of means because we all know that united are saying that they have ffp
2: uh issues to contend with did we talk about that already yeah we talked or... about ffp in general but we didn't talk about man united specifically Let,
1: let's start the show with that
2: then yeah how much do you okay. buy into that <laughs> Well, as I said last week, and I think someone quoted me on it as well on Twitter, uh, I believe that FFP is mythology. And what I mean by that is that it just gets gets used, doesn't it, as a kind of like, oh, we can't do this because of FFP. And then on the other side, it's like people go, oh, well, they're not going to buy any plays because of FFP. And you're like, well, no and no. I have a question. Do you think this is a smart
1: play from Man United saying, oh, FFP restrictions are really hamstringing us? They've already said <clears throat> about United tax and this kind of thing. Is this just a guise? Is this like, oh, no? Sorry, guys, we have FFP restrictions. We need to like, we need to take our time. You need to understand, we we're not that Man United anymore that overpays every single time. We look, and FFP is catching up with us now. So be fair. Is
2: yes. That it? Yeah. Look, when Sir Alex Ferguson once quoted, "There is no uh, value in the market." He wasn't actually saying there's no value in the market. He was saying that Man United gets screwed on every deal and you can't pay through the tooth all the time. Now, that hasn't changed, has it? That's the same Man United we live in today. And I think the whole FFP thing is just being used as an excuse. Not an excuse not to buy a player, Scott, but being not being used to as a negotiation weapon. So if you're going to go and, you know go to at atlanta and say we want your striker or you've gone to chelsea haven't you just last few weeks and gone well we don't really want to pay 70 million for this guy you can bring out the ffp like stick straight away conduct the band and say well we just can't do it because of ffp well you can do it because it's linked to your revenue and you made 600 million pound in revenue so like it's rubbish at the end of the day, but it is used as a weapon at the negotiating the negotiation table to see how much you can kind of shave off a transfer.
1: Well, on the on the note of FFP, I've just seen one on my Twitter come up. Kieran Maguire has been tweeting about it on Tuesday mm. morning. Very, very good. Uh, he's great. Maguire, he, um go follow him. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't listen to this podcast, but um, he's been on my podcast. Shout. He's been. Yeah, on so my, he knows Rob personally.
2: He's done us twice. He's done twice the
1: United Masterclass. Yeah. So some have contacted me, Ari, why United FFP issues given PL limit is 105 million loss over three years. That's not quite the case. The limit is 15 million plus up to 90 million in equity investment by owners. The Glazer family have only put in zero million (laughs) in those three years. So allowable loss is still 15 million. And Man United LBO model also means the club is paying out interest, which is not exempt from FFP. And so this further constrains spending limits. Having said that, the club does still have the capacity to buy this summer. They also have the capacity to sell, which could help this position. And they have notably not sold anyone of any financial... Zidane, you know, Iqbal's gone out for $850 plus 40% sell-on fee, right? And Ethan Laird's been sold as well. So, you know, really making those big bucks back.
2: Yeah, I think, I, I think what's uh, the reason why they're doing that is because trimming the squad does give you a kind of long-term benefit towards your wage bill and things like that and your profit and loss. So that's why they're doing it. Like you said, though, but you look at assets. We talk about this all the time in football about what is an asset. Well, an asset is some, something that someone else wants to buy. And the truth is that not many clubs want to buy a Man United's assets over the years. That's that's the actual truth. doesn't mean you still can't find ways of getting rid of players. But then how do you get them off the big contract, Scott? How do you say, yeah, go and have that opportunity elsewhere. But, you know, we do owe you £8 million in wages. So, like, you know, how do we work this out? That's why this is such a slow process. So United have to find ways to make their assets more attractive to other football clubs. And that in itself might affect your FFP because you might have to kind of come up with wage deals to get rid of players just so they don't play for you anymore.
1: We haven't even gotten into the agenda of the show yet. We're nearly 10 no. minutes in, but I did want to point out as well. Uh, I did tweet yesterday. I I was playing dumb in, in my one, my very few tweets that I did yesterday because rate limit exceeded, et cetera, um, that Man City is selling James Trafford of to Burnley for like 19 million quid. Mm. And... Uh, I was like, oh, I'd be interested to see how much Dean Henderson gets sold for, because I I think it's going to be less than that. Uh, And people in the comments below did point out, yeah, well, Dean Henderson's probably on five to seven times more money than James Trafford is. And I completely understand that. But isn't that a difference in... I think my point was, more than anything, not, oh, so why is James Trafford going to be more expensive or as expensive as Dean Henderson? It's more why are United giving Dean Henderson 120 grand a week <laughs> to not play him? I think
2: that that was more of my point. Uh, but can they make some money back there? It's bad. It? In, in our ins and out show that we did a few weeks ago, we talked about Dean Henderson. We said, what, what is his valuation? And I was very much on a conservative side because I was like, look, he might, he might have been a £50 million goalkeeper when he was at his very best at Sheffield United and Chelsea were knocking on the door for him and they wanted him so you gave him a big contract a silly contract we all know that but you're not going to get that anywhere like that for him now because of the wage deal he's on and you've got to try and shift it so i think with dean henderson like what might you get for him scott now at this point like you might only get something like 15 to 20 like if a if a raya is on the market for a 40 and i think people feel ray is on a a bigger upward to to trajectory uh, as a as a footballer as a goalkeeper. Those goalkeepers are all in that market. Dean Henderson's not there anymore. Let's be honest. Like if Man United have shown that they're going to willing to pay him but not play him, then you are going to really struggle to move him for a price, aren't you? So that uh, I think that's a common problem at Man United over many years is that they've they've given these big wage deals out and they're not been able to shift the player the following year when they're trying to get rid of them.
1: Did you see yesterday? Because United. Players returned for preseason training. Yes. Dean Henderson was one of the players turning up. And I think it was about this time last year where he said, No, I don't want to go back. I've had enough. Send me away. But he's back.
2: How in- how exciting. He's back. And do you know what? Because of the David De Gea situation, which is obviously again, we've we've called this all the way through. Congrats to congrats
1: to David De Gea, by the way, on his uh his marriage. Indeed. And uh, in weird uh employment circumstances, nevertheless, but
2: I hope he could put that out of his mind. He's got other things to think about, hasn't he, David? So, you know, good luck to him. And I'm sure we'll see what happens. You know, Man United are still putting out feelers that they want to talk. Like, oh my God, stop talking. Just do something with David. But uh, I don't know. I think uh, I've lost my train of thought now. What were we just saying? Talking about David De Gea getting David, married in his contract. Yep. That's it. So with, with David De Gea, you've seen with that situation how... It's just played out and Man United have let it play out rather than controlling it. And this is the same with Dean Henson. Dean Henson's come back to the football club and we'd said, we don't really want that because that's a problem, isn't it? Now Dean Henson's coming back to have that conversation. Do not be surprised, Scott, if something completely left field happens and they have a chat and 10 Hag goes, well, I can't get any of my goalkeeper targets. We're already paying you a lot of money. We can't sell you for anything like your value. Does he stay at Man United? Now, I know he said he doesn't want to. And I know Man United said they don't want to keep him. But you've just allowed David De Gea to walk out the door and you haven't signed a replacement. So we all hope that that isn't the case. Like, I think, Do you think that, Scott? Like, we hope that we don't go down that route. But do not be surprised if we do. This is Manchester United. It's just yeah. And And, and how do they move that way? Like, this is the thing. I don't know how you do it. Do, do Forrest actually go, yeah, we'll give you a load of money but we'll also take the player back because if that was the case, there's no way he would report to training. No way. United would say, don't come. And there are players that didn't turn up for training yesterday. So that's the point is that if you're moving them out, you don't bring them back. You, you just say, we're we'll going to have an extra week's holiday. We'll sort out this new deal with another club. When they come back, it's normally because they need to talk about something. So let's see what happens there.
1: Yeah. Um, I'd still be surprised
2: if Dean Henderson. Uh, was but
1: like you say, don't rule oh. it out. United you know, have done weirder stuff than that before. Um, but I, th- I think it's just a case of I know Tom Heaton's re signed, uh, so he's he's around, but obviously De Gea is out of contract as it stands, and it would be a little bit weird to just go into preseason without a <laughs> essentially without a goalkeeper. So we'll talk. I think all of these deals, Rasmus Hoyland, Andre Onana. Sofian Amrabat are all conditional on each other to a sense, because obviously we all talked about connected. Yeah. all connected or all connected to FFP, which we've already talked about, which we should start talking about. We'll, we'll come back to the goalkeeper after Rasmus Hoyland, but we think from what we understand, I don't know whether you've heard anything different, Rob, but United are working on Rasmus Hoyland as the number nine that they want. Yeah. Now, given the FFP constraints and given All that United have tried for Harry Kane, they've tried for Victor Osman, these these kind of things. And they've decided, uh, well, you know, we ain't got much money, so we need to be a little bit careful. Mm -hmm. Do you you give them credit on Mason Mount given that they put the deal down and they eventually got what they said that they wanted, even though they paid 55 million plus five in add-ons, which is actually an increase on the offer that they said, that the last offer that they said they'd give. But did the principle work, Is I suppose, is what I'm trying to ask?
2: No, no, not for me. Like, <laughs> uh, re- re- really not. Like, like First and foremost, football clubs are there to do their deals. And you, you there's no such thing. You hear it in American sports a lot about which club wins the trade. Who wins the trade? You know, is it, is it this team or is it that team? Who won that trade? And I think with Mason Mount, yeah, in years to come, we might look back and go, well, that was a really good signing for, uh, for not a lot of money. Chelsea feel they've won that trade because they got... 55 million (laughs) for a player who's on one year left of his deal. Now, if you want that play, go and execute it. But I think the Hoyland one is where it gets interesting. And we should talk about that because there's no doubt that Harry Kane is on the market and at Man United are looking at this now and they are, they have edged towards what you, exactly what you just said there is they're thinking, right, hang on. We could go and get Harry Kane. We could get into that now and start playing that game and do it all summer long. However, it's now a little bit too close to the season. We're getting closer to the season. We're getting close to pre-season. Harry Kane is testing the water by Munich, obviously making a ton of noise about that. you got new manager at Tottenham. There's going to be talks there going on. And I think when you look at, at someone like Hoyland, they're, they're trying to get him for a price that they feel is acceptable, but then in the terms of development because of the potential. So they look at Hoyland as a, as a kind of next generation star but they want him now. And I remember we did a show where we talked about Man United trying to get players before they've suddenly got ridiculous value on their head. Mm -hmm. So this is why they look at Hoyland as, as a potential is Hoyland, the finished article. No, like if Hoyland starts the first game in the season, there's absolutely no guarantee that he'd be a success. Scott, there isn't like he's young and he's raw, but young and raw at 30 to 40 million is okay. Young and raw at like 60 to 70 million. Mm, then you're starting, you might as well just start putting your eggs in, the, in a hurricane basket and trying to pay more money for a much better player, isn't it? Or someone who's a finished article. So, yeah, a wait and see, I think, with Hoyland. But they are very, very interested in mean, him. And they do see him as this kind of um, project that they can take and go in line with the United project. You know, the 10 Hall project, moving on, improving, 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 and then maybe having a, a really world-class striker in maybe a couple of years' time.
0: I
1: mean, I don't hate the idea. Like, I've been no. asking for years for United to stop chasing the marquee signing who costs 90 million. And they even did it last year, really. I, know, I wouldn't call Anthony a marquee signing, but like they still ended up paying a hell of a lot of money for him over the odds. Yeah. Um, and you can see how much pressure that really adds to the player, especially in their debut season. Like, he didn't. Of course. Like, on the football side of things, he didn't have the greatest season, but I think there's some merits in, in his play that will develop. Um, but on the Hoyland side, you know, I think this is not, doesn't strike you as an option that he's, he's not going to come in and say, score the 25 goals that Harry Kane would have scored. Maybe he could, maybe he could, but at least he's got some of the principles of hard work. He's a, he's a big unit as well. Big, big unit. He'll run around, He'll pressure. He'll do everything that Eric Ten Hag really wants in a striker. Like, kind of like Vout Weghorst, but younger and hopefully better. Young Vout. <laughs> <laughs> will be a young Vout. Younger, hopefully better. I think he wants to play for United. He does. Uh, he's come out as a United fan in the past. But obviously, in the grander scheme of things here, I think United and Atalanta are working on a deal at the, at the moment for a fair valuation i think united have a, a cap like we reported on nightman.com yesterday of like i don't think you really want to go above 60 million euros i think Atalanta want more um can they find a happy medium with his incentives can they find a happy medium with add-ons based on goals scored and appearances made over the next few years this kind of thing as he does develop into hopefully the player that united think he can become uh, the united really need to make sure that they don't overcommit, especially on the down payment this summer because otherwise it'll impact on the other positions they want to, they want to strengthen in. And that is where we'll do. Maybe if you want to round up on Rasmus Hoyland in a second, please do. But I think United want Andre Onana from Inter as well. And this is another kind of one of those games where Inter needs some money, but I think United are waiting to see really how much they end up committing to Hoyland before moving on Onana. Maybe that it'll work out another way around, but I think, it's encouraging, at least for me, to see that United you know, have decided on the players that they do want and they will act accordingly based on how much their budget stretches, I guess.
2: Yeah, look, Man United have got the irons in the fire. We know all of this. We know they're kind of looking at all of these transfer targets and working on the deals. And, you know, as we touched on there, there's no that striker is the number one priority and then goalkeeper is number two. But because of the David De Gea situation, that has really elevated that now, isn't it? Like this was a conversation that Man United only a few months ago didn't want to have around the goalkeeper. Like they really they felt that De Gea might stay, and they'd already given him a contract, and he had signed it, and they were going to sign it, and then they didn't sign it. And guess who turned up for pre season yesterday? Dean Henderson. So there is that in their pocket, and that's why I think that the manager still wants to have communication with Dean Henderson because the Hoyland deal—it's it, a kind of—it's not a single swim, Scott. But if you don't get Hoyland, if you decide that you're not going to get one of those players who are in that, say, 30 to 40 to 50 million pound bracket to be a development striker, you might have to pull the trigger on something a lot bigger. Like, you might have to... Because you've only got to look at Arsenal, and Arsenal have gone, we nearly won the title last year, and we're going to try and make sure we win it next year. And they're making those moves of a club in that position. Man United are not in that position, but you're in a halfway house. So, like... You've got teams chasing you. Chelsea are going to be back. Liverpool are going to be back. You can't just buy a eighteen to twenty year old striker and expect that their goals is going to keep you in the top four. You cannot. So Man United have to, uh, I think, balance that. As you said, they want Anana. There's no doubt they do want Anana. Inter are willing to sell. Anana's is willing to come. These things can get done quite quickly, but United have got a lot to balance at the moment and juggle in terms of what they do with their striker position.
1: Well, you mentioned there, let's say they do get Rasmus Hoyland. You can still play Marcus Rashford through the middle. You have Garnaccio. You have Sancho. You can... Still have Anthony Martial as far as I know. You still have Anthony Martial and the chances are that you're not going to sell him because of the same nope. problems that we've already said about Dean Henderson on a massive wage. Martial's on twice as much as Dean Henderson is. like yeah. at the At the least. So... I think Martial's at a contract at the end of this season. Similar contract situation to David De Gea. Have an mm-hmm. option. United you know, have an option to extend it. I think it's the end of the season. Option yeah. to extend it. Will they trigger it? Is it a wise move? Would you not just prefer to get that wage off your wage bill at the end of the season? Maybe this is Anthony Martial's make or break season. If he isn't delivering, if he's injured, you've got a young player who can then come in. Maybe he'd be first choice anyway, but you can
2: rotate between whoever plays better gets the position. Totally, and, and this is the summer ins and out show that we did and why I was so keen on, like, if you can get rid of players on free transfers or, or literally next to nothing, getting rid of the wage opens it up for you. It means you can go to the marketplace, you can go and buy players and say, right, we've got 200 grand spare from this player now because <laughs> uh, he was going to take it off us and sit on our bench and do nothing. So I think with Anthony Marshall, the only way you get rid of him is either as a make weight in a deal, potentially. Like, for instance, you could do with someone like, uh Hoyland of Atalanta you could move Martial there maybe but they're not going to pay him the wage are they so maybe United would have to make that happen somehow so a uh, wait and see but I do think with Hoyland they are very very keen on him and they've become more keen on him obviously he was an early target for United and there was a lot of talk his football club are trying their best to get the best possible transfer fee but it does look like he'll be on the move like it does feel like He's done at that football club. And he is a Man United fan. And Eric Ten Hag really does like him.
1: Well, I was looking at the contracts expiring at the end of this season. Marcus Rashford will sign at some point. Still not done. Still not soon. official. I would imagine when he comes Very back in preseason, it'll it'll be that's yeah. when it'll be yeah. announced. Aaron Wan-Bissaka, club option one year. Fred, mm-hmm. no, no option, because they've already used it. Victor Lindelof, Anthony Martial, options for a further year. Alex Tellers, they want to sell him for free anyway. Get him out. God, yeah. Uh Me too. Williams, <laughs> Alvaro Fernandez, Eric Bae, Ted and Mengi, and Tom Heaton. Mm. All of these players are out of contract at the end of this season. Yeah. Not Harry Maguire yet. I believe that would be in 2025. Two years, actually. Year. Yeah. So yeah. two years on Harry Maguire. But that is a list of players there that a lot of those need to be cleared out. And it could be a case of they have one more season they released on freeze because United paid them so much money they can't sell them. So we'll see the uh, squad evolution keeps happening. Um, and let's come back to the goalkeeper because we haven't really talked about Andre Anani yet on today's show. Anyway, we've done him in uh, in recent editions. Conflicting information on whether United have made a bid for him or not. Italy are saying he United have. Even Gianluca Di Marzio, I think, has. Uh, I think it's one of those situations where you know, Inter and United both have their own valuations. They're having conversations about being able to strike a deal, but however much, as I say, they commit to Rasmus Hoyland will dictate how much they spend on either Andre Onana and or the final goalkeeper linked over the weekend, Justin Bijelo. Hopefully mm. I pronounced that one right. We haven't even put that in the agenda, Rob, but you know, that's from what we understand tonight I mean, that is very much a backup option. And why would you go and do that anyway you may as well just keep with the hair it, it, this this kind of thing you know so that's
2: why united are trying to play everything you <laughs> know I mean, like because they, they they're almost like they've got so many options but there's too many options like it, it, it's too broad like as you're just saying there like do they want andre and Arnold? well what we know is that inter believe that they do inter have said straight up that united are, are knocking on the door and interestingly as well scott inter are not saying no, we don't want any offers here for this player. Like, they're thinking... he's oh, Inter, good... Inter need to raise some money. They need, they need money, them. and this guy who came on a free transfer 12 months ago has had a really good season, they got to a Champions League final, and it's a very quick, easy hit for money, 50 to 60 million, isn't it? Inter obviously want more, to pay more, like, want 60 for the guy? That's, that's not really... Unheard of. I kind of understand why they want that. Man United don't want to pay 60, but might have to. It's a bit like the Anthony situation last year. But United are trapped, aren't they? They've trapped themselves in this. And they might even end up, Scott, where time goes on and you you have to go and make a bigger move for another striker and pay more money. And then you've lost David De Gea and you're bringing in a completely untested, untried goalkeeper. And you might lose in football matches that way rather than winning them. So that's a problem for United and they need to navigate that quickly uh, and they need to sort this out. Like I will say to you, don't I, Like transfers do run on late into the season. I don't think that's strange at all. But United need to look at what they're doing because I still think that that's up in the air because we don't know who the owners will be. I think the manager knows that he'll have players coming in, but there are definitely players that have to go out. And United are not making moves with that, are they? Like A lot of these players that you could be selling, They haven't found buyers for because let's be honest, a lot of these players are on contracts no one wants.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm gonna stick my I think they'll get both of them. I think they'll get Holland and Onana.
2: I think they'll get both as well. And we said this with Mason Mount because it's they are gettable. So, like, that's the way I look at it. So, with Mason Mount, people are like, Oh, the Mount deal is dead, it's dead, it's dead, and we kind of talk to people. And the clear indication was the deal was never dead. It was just a case that United didn't like what Chelsea wanted. Chelsea were pushing their luck. But the player was absolutely steadfast. I am going to Man United. So when you're in that situation, I think it will get done. That's what we're feeling and hearing with the other two players. That Hoyland wants to come to Man United. And Anana likes Ten Hag, wants to come to Man United, likes to manage, obviously played for him at Ajax. So that's why I also think they get done. Because these are players in the gettable strata. They're in that 50, 60, 70 million pound bracket. Strata. Yes. Wow. yes. Strata, Strava, Stratas- no, you Stratosphere. You used it right. I was just Stratosphere. Yeah, Strava. Okay. That's a good, yes. Yeah, like, there we go. A, a word to describe a transfer. But uh, <laughs> they are they are gettable. And if you can get them, then you, what, you carry on working on those deals. If you believe that that player wants to come, it's very rare that a player can't force his way out in that situation. Mason Mountain did it with Chelsea, with a club that he loved. He's a Chelsea boy. And he still said, I want to leave. I think these other two players, they'd really like to play for Man United and especially Man United team in the Champions League now. Very, very important point. Absolutely. Uh, And that was for Mount as well. Mason Mount, come to Man United. He's not giving up Champions League football, is he? He's he's getting it and he'll get all the Champions League bonuses and appearances and opportunities. And that is big for, for footballers when they're trying to kind of go to a new place. So, these three players altogether, they could be United's three signings. What do you think, Scott? I think so. Yeah. I don't know how long it'll take. I'd like to think they
1: will be done by the time the new season starts. And that is, you think, oh God, no, surely they'll be done before then. I mean, mm. we are talking about Man United. But no, I think three, three of those signings, they still need more. But I think we said at the start of the summer that ideally they need about seven, eight players to Mm. truly compete. Taking those players and getting them in and then working, wheeling, dealing, trying to sell players. Because let's let's remember, there's still two months of the window left yet. There's still plenty of time. Uh, Even though you look at a club like Arsenal who are going to wrap up Kai Habits, Declan Rice and and Urien Timber by this week. Basically, they're going to wrap all of those three up and you think in an ideal scenario... United would be in that same situation. I Even if United sign these three players, Hoyland, Onana, and Mason Mount, they're not necessarily coming third next season, which is, a, no. which is a whole entire conversation. But at least
2: they are moving towards the long-term goal of remodeling the squad with players of the right profiles. And you might almost, lo and behold, Man United fans will not want to hear this, but you almost may have to take a step back to take a step forward. That's what Arsenal did. Arsenal did exactly that. They kind of had initial success, won an FA Cup, didn't they, in Arteta in year one? Then they stepped back, they struggled, they brought in young players, they blooded them, and they found a way to become a better football team. Now, I'm not saying Man United are going to say, yeah, we'll happily take fifth next year. That's not true. But I think when you look at the wider aspects of it, Scott, you just talked there about expiring contracts. And the one way to get rid of those is to let them expire. So there is a chance that if you've got nine players that you simply cannot shift that you have to just lick your wounds, keep them in your squad, not buy replacements yet, save the cash over a year and let them expire and let them go. Now, football clubs generally are not into that. They don't like players walking on freeze. but it happens in other sports all the time where your contract expires and everyone goes, thanks a lot, big hug, off you go. And that might be a way for Man United to rectify their wage bill. They might not be able to do it this year.
1: I suppose the ideal scenario there and what I would request is if you have a decision, stick to it and don't change your mind yes. a week in advance. Anyway, um... And that's why I
2: think Dean Henderson is reported for training. Because I do think that Ten Hag obviously wanted Henderson once upon a not so long ago. <laughs> yeah, he did. He liked Henderson. But Henderson clearly 12 months ago wanted out the door. and There was obvious reasons for that. Not happy. He might now look at his own lot and go, well, do I really want to go to Nottingham Forest and maybe a reduced contract? And am I really closer to the England squad or winning trophies? Or if I talk to this manager and he says to me, well, David De Gea is off now. Like we're done with De Gea. What do you think? I'm just putting it out there. I mean, it's not the worst plaster in the world for a year, but I wouldn't do it. I No, you you wouldn't do it. it. It's bad business, but it's, it's not. It's not to say it's not what will happen because Man United have got a goalkeeper who's what, one of the top 20 goalkeepers paid in the world. Yes, Dean Henderson is that. yeah. And what do you do with him? Do you just give him away or do you actually try and use him? And I think the Man United in this scenario might try and use him. Because I think De Gea's camp being deliberately coy as well. De Gea's got offers on the table and we're either just going to hear tomorrow that De Gea is gone and done doing something else. I think it's highly unlikely that they will, will sign any contract with Manchester United now.
1: Let's wrap the show with Sofyan Amrabat. Man United have been offered the chance to sign him from Fiorentina. As Rob correctly pointed out before the show started, he is 26, not 29, like I thought he was. Um, Famous for Morocco's run in the World Cup. And I don't think this is as much of a, oh, look how good he was in the World Cup. Let's go buy him kind of thing but this is a player that has been i think he's worked with eric Hag before obviously that's a prerequisite for any (laughs) any signing that united have made eric Hag has had to have seen him at least five years ago um to no i'm joking but uh (laughs) he plays for Fiorentina and did well for them last season from my understanding of it he wanted to join barcelona so do a lot of players barcelona can't do deals because of their well-publicized financial position. Yes. That's why we see Marcelo Brozovic go off to Al Nasser. That's official now, but he, these gun, these kind of players are similar profiles and we're waiting to be Sergio Busquets replacement of Barcelona, but just Barcelona can't do anything. So they're telling everyone in the market, wait, let us sort out our finances. Yeah. And some players are like, I'm going to be waiting forever guys. Um, I think Amrabat is one of those. Atletico Madrid also want him as well. Uh, price of 30 million quid Mm.
2: um i like this one do you like this one i do like it and i think again this works in the bigger ecosystem of transfers so i've spoken a lot about romeo lavier i spoke about him last year when it was pretty evident that southampton were going to get relegated i put out a load of stuff said look this is where man united now need to go and act go and get this player he's young he will cost a bit of money but if you get him now you're going to get a really great player. He might become a world-class midfielder. Now, time's ticked on. Man United haven't done that. We know that Liverpool are in for Lavia. We know Chelsea are in for Lavia, and they like him, and they're going to pay the money around forty-five million. So, Man United are sh- uh, shopping in a slightly different market, Scott, and that's where Amrabat comes into it. Kind of twenty-six to to thirty million. A really good player, decent age at twenty-six. And we've talked a lot, haven't we, about the coverage for Casemiro. That's been one of the little bugbears that you and me both have had, is that you cannot really go into a new season without someone who can do the number six work properly. Like, not Ericsson, not Bruno, you know, but someone else. And I think someone like Amrabat, and I said this to you off camera as well, the fact that Man United have decided that Sabitzer was a failed project, they're not going to pay £10 million for him, they're not interested, his wage comes off the book straight away, goes back to Bayern Munich, that you could go get someone like Amrabat, who played for Ten Hag at Utrecht, knows him very well, developed him and have a relationship again. And yes, it's another former Eric Ten Hag player. So I like this deal. And I think if you could go get it done, go get it done. Because again, he's a player that improves your stock. And then you can probably give away a Fred, give away a McTominay, get them off your books a little bit more easily. Um, But I like it. I do like it. I do think, as you said, Atletico Madrid are in in the mix and they might well be favourites at the moment, but we'll wait and see on that. But Ten Hag can talk to his player directly because he knows him. Well, there's also the issue with Atletico
1: Madrid and La Liga rules in general. Of, yeah. <laughs> you, well, you, you can, I think Atletico have agreed personal terms with him
2: mm.
1: but have not agreed <clears> a with <few throat> Fiorentina. So that could be an actual big stumbling block. I know Atletico want to sell the likes of João Felix and this kind of thing, but I even hear that they might have trouble doing that. So maybe it does leave a gap open for United, but I think United are in a similar boat if they have Rasmus Hoyland and a goalkeeper to decide on before they go and Maybe they need to work out how much all of this is going to cost. Maybe they can do it and then sell later. I don't know. We'll see how it works out.
2: Well, well, his, uh, his representatives are put out to clubs to feel around about, obviously, what the wage deal he would like. As you said Atletico have agreed to that and Manchester United have agreed to that too. So I don't think United look at the structure of his wages or anything as a problem. You can bring him into the club that wouldn't be you could you could absorb him with you know happily for someone that can help you. But I do think that uh, it, it might end up being a bidding war and it and it might actually come down to two or three four million like it United might say we're not going above 26 which was the price being quoted yesterday or being banded around. And if someone gives Fiorentina 30 32 33 35 that might be it, and he is a good age. Like I said, at twenty at, at twenty six, I think there are going to be plenty of suitors for him, and he's a good footballer, and he would help Man United's midfield definitely. Fiorentina's
1: CEO said this week, "We've not received any bid or proposal for him at all. He's a Fiorentina player now. If an offer comes in, we'll consider it." So you know, yes. he is on the market. Liverpool wanted him before as well. I think he's been he's had interest from a number of Premier League clubs. Anyway, uh, we do need to. Uh, close down the show we've been going for 38 minutes and uh other stuff beckons but
2: uh, we hope that you have enjoyed the promise on today any final thoughts rob no just thank you to everyone that's been watching the show and enjoyed it. and hopefully in the new season we'll bring you a whole load of fresh content and some different stuff this year this season uh, we're ticking along with transfers now and yes of course if you're uh, coming out to las vegas come and see us at united con uh, we'd love a good uh, chin wag and gossip with you and we can talk about Man United and what they're going to do next.
1: Yeah, sorry if there was a little bit of abruptness in the in the wrapping up of the show today, but apologies. Uh, as Rob says, Las Vegas, July twenty eighth at UnitedCon. Visit united concom to book your place now. Follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and Mu. If Twitter is broken, at underscore Scott Saunders on TikTok. We'll let's let's. Get in the comments and urge Rob to start making TikToks and also Scott Saunders89 on Instagram. It's me scratching
2: uh, my eyes out, Scott. Look. Get with the kids, Rob.
1: You know, that's, uh, get with the times. That, that's the way it's going. Anyway, uh, that's it. I think. Nightymin.com uh, for stuff from me and the team as well. Visit there and uh, we'll see you soon, everyone, for another Promised Land podcast when hopefully Mason Mount is announced as a Man United player officially thanks for listening everyone see you soon
0: save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app get three pound rolls of juicy 80 lean ground beef for 349 a pound with a digital coupon then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, body armor super drink or arizona tea for 77 cents each all with your card shop these deals at your local kroger today or tap the screen now to download the kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone